welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23rd, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil from Cover 2 Resources. This week, former Insys Therapeutics executives were sentenced for their role in a landmark racketeering case. One year ago, we first introduced you to this case and the Wolf of Wall Street culture at Insys where strippers became regional managers and kickbacks to doctors for prescribing a fentanyl spray known as subsis were commonplace. Today, we'll revisit that story and share with you the sentences that were handed out in this week of reckoning on these former employees at the now bankrupt company known as Insys Therapeutics. Nothing has happened to deter pharmaceutical companies from perpetuating these same sales practices since that time. Joining me today are Palm Beach Post reporters, John Passetti, who's covering the Insys Therapeutics story for the Post, and Pat Beal, who has covered Purdue Pharma extensively. We begin with a clip from the Insys Therapeutics-produced rap video on the virtues of persuading doctors to prescribe higher doses of the company's liquid opioid, Subsys. John Passetti introduces the Insys Therapeutics case. Insys was a, uh, founded by a uh, kind of a, a pharmaceutical entrepreneur who had had several other companies uh, before Insys. And Insys's chief product was a spray fentanyl. It was really the only fentanyl that you know that you could spray under the tongue uh, for the patient uh, for someone who is. Uh, you know, in severe pain from cancer or on their, you know, last days at a hospice, this would have been, a, you know, a very good product. Uh, and he enters the market, the fentanyl market, uh, that it's about five or six uh, companies that have, are allowed by the FDA to produce these products, but they're only approved for cancer patients. Subsys was approved by the FDA for late-stage cancer patients. Every prescription drug marketed in the U.S. carries an individual FDA-approved label. While it would be legal for a physician to independently decide to prescribe a drug off-label, it's illegal for the pharmaceutical company to promote off-label uses to prescribers. So Entis right away knew that there's only a limited number of dying cancer patients that they could target. 
and they weren't they they weren't going to make a lot of money that way. So what they eventually did is bring in uh, one Alec Berlikoff. He was a pharmaceutical executive at another fentanyl uh, manufacturer named Cephalon, and he had perfected uh, an incentive program for doctors using the speaker program. That's where doctors go and speak on behalf of the product for other doctors to to incentivize them to, to prescribe off-label. So the new sales director, hired by Insys, Alex Berlikoff, came from another pharmaceutical company by the name of Cephalon, who is the maker of a lozenger that is indicated and was approved by the FDA for management of breakthrough cancer pain. And Cephalon was fined for off-label slash illegal promotion of the drug in September 2008 while Berlikoff was still there. Within about a year of, of, of the of this fentanyl spray, which was called sepsis, you know, came to market, they brought Berlikoff in and he immediately, uh, you know, starts cleaning house and bringing in a new type of salesperson. Uh, Salespeople that had little or no experience in the pharmaceutical area, salespeople that uh, you know that had that were very young and very good looking. He uh, would uh, bring in cocktail waitresses, strippers, models. Probably the most notable recruit was an exotic dancer by the name of Sunrise Lee. You'll hear more about her later. And then he went to work on the doctors. He had a already a, a few doctors in mind here in uh, Palm Beach County. Those were his first uh, targets. And he then started moving and Intus uh, started making, it actually cornered the market on this uh, very limited uh, fentanyl medication area. Next, John talks about titration. And that is the process of determining the medication dose that reduces your symptoms to the greatest possible degree while avoiding as many side effects as possible. When your doctor titrates a dose, he or she is making adjustments to how much medication you're taking. One of the things that Berlikoff uh, insisted that his sales rep push doctors to do was to titrate up the, the dosage for sepsis, and he would, uh, you know, and he would actually punish the salespeople if they did not push the, do if the doctors were not prescribing the higher doses, dosages of this um, drug. Uh, and he would, uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, motivate them. Uh, at one sales conference, he uh, donned a sepsis costume with the purple tights at the uh, with the biggest uh, dose written on it, and kind of and did a, like a rap video to try to get them to uh, go out there and get the doctors to titrate this, you know, medicine up for substance users. Yeah, and I, I want to tell you that the patients that used this drug, and, and you know, and, and for off-label purposes for like. I don't know, there some people who might have had lupus or migraines or back pain or, you know, they were uh, rendered 
pretty much uh, immobilized. I mean, they, they this drug is is for you know end stage cancer pain. So suddenly, you know, housewives that had no idea this was even a uh, an opioid would become you know couldn't get out of bed or would have to crawl to the bathroom. They were so you know so drugged up, and they uh, you know basically stop living their life. John talks about how INSYS arranged to have prescriptions delivered to the door of patients who are incapacitated. INSYS had worked with uh, their, you know, pharmacies, certain pharmacies to have the drug delivered right to their doorstep. So all they had to, you know, so they're, while they're like basically half dead in their in their bed, you know, the the drug would just be dropped off right right at their door. So wow. they never had to even go out and fill it at a pharmacy. The government said it's good old fashioned bribery. So the uh, speaker programs were shams. Uh, the the doctors would go there, get a nice meal, maybe they'd bring their staff there and that they would pocket the money. Uh, doctors made, you know, several doctors made over $150,000. Some made over $200,000. One made over $270,000. And then, uh, and their speaking engagement opportunities were tied to the number of prescriptions that they wrote. And it wasn't just cash. It was other things that they would uh, also entice these doctors with. Uh, they would uh, find out, you know, what their weaknesses. If it was chocolate, then they told the sales the reps to go get them chocolate. Uh, they took them out to strip clubs. Uh, they uh, had a, uh, you know, they hired a dental hygienist, according to a whistleblower complaint, simply to have sex with doctors. That's what it was to have sex with doctors. Alec Berlikoff, you know, had already done this with Cephalon. So he had his, uh, you know, doctors here in South Florida that he knew were already participating in a speaker program for Cephalon. Other doctors they targeted were like the Chicago uh, pill mill doctor who was already uh, being uh, looked at by law enforcement. So they knew right away that he didn't have any ethical problems, you know, prescribing a very strong opioid off-label. John shares a revelation about a whistleblower complaint that was filed in Texas in 2012 that outlined all of the misleading sales practices that ultimately led to so much loss of life from subsis. 2012 whistleblower complaint laid out the whole plan, you know, to go after these doctors. He names Berlikoff. He says exactly what's going to happen, going to happen. And it was quite extensive, his whistleblower complaint. But uh, the U.S. Uh, attorney down there decided not to intervene. And as a result, hundreds of uh, people died and others became hopelessly addicted. While many of the off-label prescriptions for subsis were declined by insurance companies, John outlines how INSYS took matters into their own hands. Yeah, they created a uh, part authorization uh, center, uh, basically a 
a phone room uh, in Phoenix, and uh, that's where uh, all these uh, you know prescriptions from these doctors would come through, and they would handle the insurance end of it. And they had no problem, according to court documents, lying to these insurance companies. They would sometimes pretend to be at the doctor's office, whatever it took to get these uh, prescriptions uh, paid for by by insurance companies or, or Medicaid and Medicare. We continue our discussion on the legacy of deceptive sales practices established by Purdue Pharma and perpetuated by others in the industry, such as. Insist Therapeutic. I don't know when uh, the slippery slope of uh, ethics, uh, you know, in selling these drugs to doctors uh, kind of had the tipping point, but I mean, Alex Berlikoff, you know, sensed it early on. I mean, he jumped into, he was a high school counselor and basketball coach, and he jumped into pharmaceuticals. uh, selling Prozac for Eli Lilly, and uh, he got fired, uh, you know, for uh, for sending for coming up with a, uh, a marketing plan to send uh, Prozac to to the mail. Uh, you know, so that that made headlines then. So he made a splash right away. He then migrated over to Janssen Pharmaceuticals, which does the fentanyl patch, and then he uh, went to Cephalon where he perfected this uh, speaker program to incentivize docs. And by this time, you know, by the time he was at INCES, you know, we've already had this, uh, these settlements with Purdue Pharma, you know, the $634.5 million in 2007. And when he left Cephalon, you know, around then, uh, they had also had to pay a settlement for uh, pursuing off-label prescriptions uh, 425 million. So when they got, you know, when, when he got to incest and he says, you know, this, let's uh, go for the off-label prescriptions uh, for this fentanyl product, they're probably thinking that at the worst they would uh, face a hefty fine. But that was before, you know, the this epidemic really took off and they've been kind of caught in that vice. And now they're the top executives and doctors throughout the country and the sales are all facing criminal charges. And, you know, uh, in fact, way back in 2007, when the Department of Justice um, settled with Purdue Pharma, um, there, there was uh, quite a bit of controversy about, you know, why these, you know, I mean, those were criminal charges that it was, it was right. you know, settling up with. And why hadn't anybody gone to jail? In the controversial settlement with Purdue Pharma in 2007, no one went to jail. Consequently, today, the fines that are risked by pharmaceutical companies for essentially the same business practices are calculated as a cost of doing business. From a business perspective, if you're INSYS and John Kapoor, the CEO, the founder there, he's like, well, you know, let's do a cost analysis and see if we can, you know, corner the market through off-label prescriptions by getting these doctors to just prescribe our product, our fentanyl product, and uh, the worst that can come to it is, you know, probably one of these fines. I, I, I can't, I'm sure they didn't think that they would be facing criminal charges and being on trial as they are at this moment. Three former executives pleaded guilty to misdemeanors. Right. So the company, the corporation itself, I think, 
uh, pled guilty to, you know, a criminal charge. Um, uh, the uh, president, the top attorney, the former chief medical officer, each pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge of misbranding. And so, and, and Purdue's uh, uh, pled guilty to a felony charge of misbranding. So, you know, that generated about $634 million in, in fees. But, you know, what, what is, um, if I can bring, I'm trying to pull up a statistic. The year after that plea deal with Brownlee, OxyContin prescriptions rose by 185%. So when you're talking about just money damages, you can, you can kind of get a feel for, I don't know. Is that going to resolve the issue? Well, it obviously didn't. Cephalon, the next year, also pleaded guilty to misdemeanor charges of misbranding drugs. So, and that, I mean, if anything, it seemed to uh, encourage. So the cases of misbranding against the pharmaceutical companies dating back to 2007 have not acted as a deterrent. And misbranding has persisted in the industry. But John explains why the INSIS case could be different. Everybody's paying attention, I'm sure, that, uh, you know, that the, that the whole top exec, all the executives are facing ser- RICO charges. They're not even like, you know, fraud charges. These are racketeering charges. I mean, there was a time in, during the prosecution that, you know, the judge in that case in Massachusetts was saying, I don't know, government, if you can really, you know, go down this RICO avenue. And rather than, you know, change course, uh, the federal government uh, doubled down and they brought in the prosecutor who, who uh, did the trial against Whitey Bolter, you know, they have, so they're, they're going full bore and in the first few days of trial here has not gone well for the defendants. For instance, uh, you know, John Kapoor is blaming Alec Burlakoff, like, you know, he didn't know what Burlakoff was doing. But Kapoor cannot get away from the that he created a prior authorization center in Phoenix where he was, which was the, which was crucial to getting these prescriptions approved by insurance companies. In 2012, as Insys was ramping up sales of Subsys, only 33% of the Subsys prescriptions were getting approved. So they took matters into their own hands, creating a call center and having employees at the company call in, posing as if they're from the doctor's office, to get pre-approvals from the insurance providers. Oh, yeah. They would lie all the time. They caught them lying on tape. They got them, you know, they got them lying up he, uh was. I mean, Berlikoff said he wanted to uh, emulate the movie The Wolf of Wall Street, and he came pretty close. He would place salespeople at doctor's offices. So there's this one, this, this one patient who comes in. Her father and mother are with her. She's a woman in her late 20s. And they say, look, she's had problems with OxyContin in the past. We want no opioids. She has really bad back pain, but no opioids. The doctor prescribes OxyContin for her. Somehow, somehow she gets OxyContin and then moves her to, to substance. I mean, they're, they're knowledgeable. They're, they're educated parents trying to keep their daughter from doctor's office business. Incest salesperson was in the exam room with her. They were also known, according to documents, to go to hospital rooms and encourage doctors there and nurses there to uh, 
the minister stops us. And there's one footnote. I mean, there's. I mean, this company has been bleeding out in the justice system throughout the country. I mean, every AG, not every, but numerous AGs have, have sued them. Uh, stockholders have sued them, and patients have sued them. And in a footnote of one of these uh, pleadings is uh, is this that this sales rep, you know, was in the hospital room. Uh, when the patient died of sepsis overdose. So, I mean, I think that kind of uh, shook that sales rep to the point that she might have left the company after that. But also, you know, on the Wolf of Wall Street, I mean, sex was a big part, you know, sex, the implied sex and real sex was a big part of the sales pitch for this company. I mean, um, they, in Oregon, uh, you know, they, this sales rep was holding what she called quote-unquote tequila parties for doctors. In Phoenix, one sales rep uh, started a consensual relationship with one with a doctor who before was not really meeting his quota, according, you know, to Alec Berlikoff, but after she got involved, he became one of the top uh, prescribers in Arizona and I believe in the nation. Uh, that sales rep got a got a bonus. Uh, so this company was <laughs> was very. I mean, took, took the took this marketing uh, scheme uh, way beyond any other company had ever done in getting doctors to prescribe any kind of medicine. Tell us what happened this week. This was quite an eventful week. Yes. Well, you know, they piled up all the sentencing. And uh, they just went through them one by one. Most of the executives uh, got between uh, 28 and uh, 33 months. And uh, the uh, stripper that they hired to basically, you know, be a pharmaceutical rep siren for these corrupt doctors uh, got a year. She used to, you know, was an exotic dancer here in West Palm Beach. And uh, Kapoor got got five and a half years uh, yesterday. And the mastermind that he brought in for the bribery scheme to use bogus speaking engagements to bribe doctors to prescribe fentanyl, this fentanyl spray that was designed only for end-stage cancer patients for all sorts of ailments, he was... uh, to 26 months. He flipped on Kapoor and everybody else. Alec Berlikoff, you know, the doctors have always been given perks and, you know, we all, we all know how, and incentives to, to prescribe certain medications, but he took it to a whole new level, a whole new level. I mean, he took it to out, just outright bribery. These speaker engagements were, many of them were bogus. Just, I mean, staff from the doctor's office would attend, or sometimes they would just order food to take out, you know, and then they, they would pay them money. And then somebody with a back pain or even intestinal distress would come in and they give them this powerful, powerful, addictive opioid. So that's how, and now, you know, that's how, that's how Insys Therapeutics operated. For about, and they made a lot of money, and and the, and the stock and the people and the executives 
when the doc, when the first doctor started, when the first doctor got arrested, they bailed out, cashed out their stock before it plummeted and made a tidy, a tidy sum. What kind of influence will this decision have over other companies in this industry going forward? Do you think, John? Well, it will uh, remain to be seen, uh, but of course, this is a uh, a shot over the bow, saying that you know we're not going to tolerate such blatant behavior. Uh, we'll see if other companies try to take the insist therapeutics model and and mold it. You know, try to make the uh, speaker programs less of a sham. So they can, you know, get away with it. Uh, but hopefully, you know, with with other litigation and, uh, against uh, opioid companies, that this uh, era uh, is over. Of course, the damage is already done. Our investigation found more than 900 deaths attributed to substance. You know, and this judge you know, in the Berlikoff sentencing, didn't really address that. I mean, there was human consequences for this. There are people that are right now, veterans that are, you know, struggling with homelessness because they were put on substance. Uh, It was very disappointing to see that. Now, in the Kapoor sentencing, victims did speak. But, I mean, I think uh, 26 months uh, it's reflective that the human toll really wasn't uh, brought into the picture for Alec Berlikoff. I talked to courtroom observers yesterday, and uh, they were, I mean, they just weren't, in, I, I'll withhold what they actually said, but you can fill in the blanks. They were not impressed with the, with this jurist, that she could not grasp the gravity of the situation, you know, that this was a white-collar crime somehow. Uh, that's what they told me. And I think that statement by her is reflective of that. Another aspect of this case that we're a little flummoxed about, and, you know, I I praise the U.S. Attorney's Office in Massachusetts and Boston for this prosecution, but there seems to be a lack of will uh, by some U.S. Attorney's Offices to go after doctors who did it, who worked complicit in this bribery scheme, particularly here in Florida. We got uh, doctor profiles that are uh, exactly similar to other doctors that have been prosecuted, such as New York, you know, Michigan, Missouri, you know, elsewhere. And we are, you know, wondering why they haven't moved on any doctors here in Florida. But we've seen really no doctors prosecuted, except for maybe one minor one, uh, for being part of this bribery scheme to prescribe this powerful opioid to unsuspecting patients. Any final comments about this, John, that you'd like to share with our listening audience? Well, you know, I don't know. Is it the final... uh, chapter? Is it, is this it? I mean, we got doctors out there that took hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in speaker fees and prescribed, uh, this, this substance fentanyl spray. 
I mean, is is the U.S. Attorney's offices in South Florida going to step up to the plate and hold these doctors accountable? This is the question that that remains. Right now, that answer is no. You know, they don't seem to be interested. Right now, we got patients in Florida struggling with addiction because they were given this drug, and there's been no consequences for the doctors. They were able to pocket, I mean, tens and tens of thousands of dollars given by Insys Therapeutics to them to prescribe their product. On Tuesday, the former Insys Therapeutics National Sales Director, Rich Simon, was sentenced to 33 months, and former sales manager Joe Rowan will spend 27 months behind bars, both for their roles in a racketeering conspiracy to bribe doctors to prescribe the company's powerful opioid spray. On Wednesday, former Insys Therapeutics CEO Michael Babich was sentenced to two and a half years in prison, and Sunrise Lee, the former exotic dancer and Insys Therapeutics sales manager, was sentenced to one year and one day behind bars, both of them for their roles in the opioid kickback and fraud scheme at Insys Therapeutics. On Thursday, John Kapoor, the founder of Insys Therapeutics, was sentenced to five and a half years in prison for his role in leading one of the most corrupt businesses in the pharmaceutical industry. And Alex Berlikoff, the former Insys Therapeutics vice president, was sentenced to 26 months behind bars for his role in a conspiracy to bribe doctors to prescribe sepsis. We close today's episode with more music from the rap video he starred in, dancing as a bottle of fentanyl spray and rapping about titrating up the dosage of subsis. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. For the latest on community events and our podcast series, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Cover 2 Resources. That's Cover, the number two, and Resources. As always, thank you for listening to the Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. 